0: Hi, this is Claudia Gray, the author of Lost Stars and Into the Dark, and you're listening to The Living Force.
1: Welcome to The Living Force Podcast.
2: It's working!
1: Utini Podcast Network production. She may not look like much, but she's got it where it counts, kid. Episode 149 The High Republic The Fallen Star Roundtable Part 1. Don't worry, we're we'll all together. On this episode, a Patreon goal has been achieved. New details on Star Wars Hunters' Battle for the Arena. Switch over. Hope we don't have a burnout. And the Utini crew talks about the High Republic novel, The Fallen Star by Claudia Gray. Okay, I'm looking for mostly bolt on aftermarket speed mods. This is all hand built custom. And now, here are your hosts Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Henkel, and Wes Jenkins.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Living Force, a Utini Network podcast, all about Star Wars books, all about the books that make us emotional. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me tonight to talk all about Claudia Gray's The Fallen Star is the full crew. First off, we have the Doctor, the Corey, the Helton. Hey, buddy.
3: Hello. Hello. I'm uh, I'm very tired. I've worked, uh what do we say? Charles 79 hours. 70, 79 <laughs> hours. <laughs> One less 70... than you're allowed to work. You be thankful. <laughs> <laughs> be thankful. <laughs> Show a little gratefulness, Jesus. Uh, yeah, I've worked uh, 79 hours this week, which has been pretty impressive. So apologies if I'm a little tired. My brain is, uh you know, pretty burnt out. But not for Star Wars. Never for That's Star right.
0: Wars. That's right. It's like dessert. There's a different part of your body that stays That's open right. for it.
3: That's right. That's well, right. I can wake up a little for this. I can. I can. You know, I could probably squeeze that piece of cake in there.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Who's the cake in this podcast? That little sweet surprise that makes everything better. It's Doctor Charles Hankel.
3: Okay. I'll, I will
4: take that. I don't know how much better I can I can make tonight. I think the fallen star kind of speaks for itself. But you know, we'll still talk for a couple hours about it
0: we absolutely will and i always like to speak for myself unless of course i can be spoken for by Wes jenkins
5: hello everyone and i finished the book did you ever doubt me (laughs) i honestly i don't anymore (laughs) thank you thank you i I really used to yeah i (laughs) I really put myself through hell in the the two days before the round tables but you know i get it done i wish i would have read it earlier but you know here we are
0: but here we are. You made it. Uh, the folks in the live chat made it. Shout out to our dishes gang. Everyone doing their dishes right now, as they watch Living Force. Or if you're listening or watching later, and you you're doing your dishes, no, you have friends. You have people <laughs> doing the exact same thing. But, of course, however you're watching or listening to us, we thank you for tuning in. If you're watching the video, go ahead and make sure you like that video and subscribe on YouTube. And if you're listening to it on your podcast catcher, make sure you're subscribed. And if you haven't rated it yet, go ahead and give us that sweet, sweet five-star thumbs up. Recommend. I don't know. There's way too many programs now. But let people know that you like the show so they can find us. Other people that like us, though, are our wonderful patrons over at utini.com slash Patreon or Patreon.com slash So I want to say thank you to, honestly, a bunch of people this week. It was a great week for our Uteni Patreon community. And we thank the constantly in the chat. And now on Patreon, our good friend Stephanie Mack joined us. Uh, Jacob Sudam joined us. And <clears throat> Brian Dooley became a member of our Jedi High Council, which was <laughs> huge. We also got a new annual patron, Brandon Medley, who uh, helped us out for our yearly planning. And y'all, because of all of this, we have officially reached our next Patreon goal for our Revenge of the Sith commentary. That's right. We still haven't done the Rogue One commentary, which is coming in the next two weeks. We do have to re-record, but we are already to our next goal. And y'all, just just taking a moment to say thank you all that this, this keeps happening. We keep we're, we're continuing to push forward in goals because yeah, of this awesome we community.
3: Yeah, we, we're constantly thinking about new stuff that we can help out shows and stuff. We actually just, just just this week bought some new equipment for for some of the video guys over there that are doing the voiceover videos and stuff. So we got some new mics, yep, and yep. new stuff like that. That's really cool. We recently just uh, adopted, you know, much to the chagrin of uh, pretty much everybody on the team. We just adopted this huge new software to handle all like the project organization and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's gonna be. You know, I think it's really fun, but that's a huge expense that we never would have been able to consider doing if it wasn't for our patrons. And, like, those things just help us do the thing that we do better, right? So, yep. you know, that's how we, you know, support the show. We all have jobs and stuff in real life, and, you know, I somehow Tom sawyer everybody in to help me out with this thing. And <laughs> we just keep <laughs> painting fence that fence. still is not just painted. Just keep
0: it is painting not- <laughs> that fence.
3: That's right, so... Yeah. yeah thanks, a, thanks a lot, guys, for sure. Yeah.
0: We hope you enjoy all the content that's coming your way this year. We've already had a bunch of meetings recently about the content offerings for 2022, uh, including some events we'll be talking about later on this year, and it is all thanks to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And speaking of this team, we wanted to give a little announcement that we are actually in need of another video editor. So, our team at Utini is looking for a talented folks that have a little bit of experience editing video. Uh, we are t- looking to term some of our existing content into shorter form content. You may have seen our bounty hunts. We are kind of clipping those out and using those as a bit of an experiment. We think people have been enjoying that. So, if you're interested in joining us here, a team of passionate Star Wars fans, and if you want to volunteer to contribute to our mission here at Utini, shoot a brief note to Corey at utini.com, that is Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, at utini, Y-O-U-T-I-N-I, dot com, uh, and see if you can join us in making some great stuff this year. And, of course, last thing we want to say, speaking of that email address, that email is actually always open for a bunch of reasons. People email Corey and the site for a lot of things. But this past week, we actually, as a staff, uh, got, got a little emotional on a, on a couple days because we've received some really lovely emails from the community and we just wanted to take a moment on air to say thank you uh, to all the folks that have emailed us about your stories about why you love utini or or you know why you use the site or how your year has been helped by being a part of this community we do share them around the team and honestly life's been a bit hectic for some of us on the team lately and those messages literally get us through the day sometimes and remind us why we're having these meetings, why we're creating all this fun content. And it was uh, it was really special this week, right, guys? I mean, it felt like there was a deluge yeah. of just positive thoughts from our community. Yeah,
3: yeah we we got mm-hmm. we had three really big messages this week from email, like that were just it's always really a big honor when somebody really takes the time to write a very heartfelt message to us right because like you know we we do go through these phases where we're like oh we're not doing enough or we're not trying hard enough or whatever which is kind of crazy with the amount of content that we do put out and stuff but like i don't know there's just you know we started this thing in the first place because like none of us really had star wars friends growing up and like mm-hmm. like here we are and you know, now we're all super close and like i feel like you know when you listen to a podcast like sometimes you don't see the people, or may, you maybe you never know what they look like if you don't go like look at video content Ooh. or something. Like that. But you do feel like you have like a relationship with them. And That's what it feels like with with the viewers and the listeners. Is like like we're all just kind of friends, and we've had multiple people in the last couple of weeks tell us we're like the Star Wars friends they never had, and that like hits me so freaking hard because yeah. like I feel that man. That is that is why we do this in the first place, and to feel that other people are are able to get that. By participating in this community is seriously incredible.
5: Yeah, that's really that's really strong and brave of those that come with their personal stories, that would never probably probably wouldn't tell to to somebody, you know, in the normal day of life. So yeah. it was and it and it means a lot to us because we're we can relate, we can definitely relate to those stories because we are we pretty much are those people. So thank you again for those heartfelt messages.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And it goes to show that this show has not only given us, you know, Star Wars friends or friends through Star Wars, but all those people that are sharing that stuff with us, like you said, Wes, like that stuff you share with your friends. Like maybe we haven't met. Maybe we've only talked over email. Maybe you've only commented on YouTube videos. But, like, we read those. We try to respond to those as much as we can. And, like, we actually are your your friends through Star Wars now. So we're really glad every last one of y'all are here.
0: Yeah, sure. thank you all so much, and uh oh, I mean, yeah. All right, two things about Star Wars this week you gotta know about the books. Number one, last week we talked about all the books coming out in 2022, except we didn't, because there was one book that we did not talk about specifically, because we didn't have a lot of details yet. But literally the next day or the day after on This Week in Star Wars, we received a cover reveal for Star Wars Hunters Battle for the Arena, which is a middle grade novel from Mark Oshiro based on the upcoming Arena Fighter game. The title text says, On Vespara, newcomer Reeve, a Force-sensitive orphan from Corellia, is finding her footing as a hunter in the arena, but it's not long before her past comes back to haunt her. And this was revealed on StarWars.com with a full article and interview with Mark Oshiro. Uh, so, like, how fun that there's yet another Star Wars book, and this looks absolutely nuts, and it's based on a mobile game. Like, why not, yeah.
5: right? Yeah. Yo, man, <laughs> dude, this chick looks so badass. The she looks awesome! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look at that, look at that weapon that the Wookiee's wielding back there. That thing mm-hmm. can... Uh, crush a couple skulls, and then the, there's a. I didn't even notice the Jawa with the gun. Are they yeah, stacked? No. Are the Jawa <laughs> oh, wow. stacked? Yeah. The like characters you
0: can play as in the game are is a Jawa standing on top of another Jawa. Wow. That is one wow. character. It's like two kids in a trench coat oh, getting man. into a movie.
3: Oh, that's great. One day you're sneaking into <laughs> R-rated movie, and next day you're kicking ass in an arena. All right. I, I almost <laughs> said like
0: this is like
4: if they made a novel uh, or or something based on Galaxy of Heroes, and then I realized yeah. that's just Star Wars.
2: oh yeah that's true
4: yeah they've done that that's true it's like
0: it's like when are we gonna get that Darth Vader movie it's like uh. (laughs) anyway um, although speaking of Darth Vader one of his good old-time friends is getting another media project Charles would you like to do the honors to tell us the second piece of news we got
4: yeah so the second piece of news this week was for a character who may be a little busy later on this year uh, because there's a new Obi-Wan series coming from Marvel Uh, written by Christopher Cantwell, art by Ario Indito, And uh, basically, it's going to perfectly accompany the show. It's going to perfectly accompany a lot of the books that are coming out later this year that we talked about. Um, And Eric, I think you have kind of the details on it, right?
0: I do. Uh, We know that this series will find the titular bearded hero in the final days of his time on Tatooine, chronicling early adventures in his own journals, which if you've read the Marvel Star Wars series, you know we had a couple from the journals of Obi-Wan back in the day, so this is all about that. The tale span Obi-Wan's entire life as guardian of peace and justice, including his days as a Jedi initiate, Padawan missions, experiencing the Clone Wars as a Jedi Knight, and facing new threats as a Jedi Master. So even though we're getting a new book about Brotherhood, which is about, Clone Wars, we're getting Padawan, which is all about his Padawan time. This series does seem like it's going all the way from pre- Phantom Menace Obi-Wan all the way through Sir Alec Guinness Obi-Wan, so this yeah. should be a really fun, even a visual treat too. Ario and Andito, the artist from the High Republic does great stuff, so it'll be cool to see all these versions yeah. of Obi-Wan. Yeah,
3: yeah super yeah. excited for this. There's some it's- comics that like, you see them coming out and you're just like, man, I can't wait for that, <laughs> and this is definitely one of them. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah.
4: And, and not like Anakin slash Darth Vader wasn't already a huge part of obi-wan's story but i do feel like it's telling that he also makes the cover that was shared
0: yeah yeah absolutely i mean with and obviously with obi-wan the series coming at some point this year my my money is on may the 4th but we don't know don't know yet uh it's going to be a great year for obi-wan content so the comics coming out get those pre-orders into your local comic shop of course starwars.com has all the additional details and if you want to buy some additional books and help support UTini, head over to our new release schedule. You can pre-order The High Republic Adventures Volume 2 coming out on the 22nd of this month. And next month take brings us The High Republic here. Mission to Disaster on March 3rd and the script book of High Republic the Tempest Runner on March 15th. <laughs> For the New York Best Times list sellers of every book, Gray Claudia. Uh, <laughs> we'll take that back. For the New York Times bestseller list, Two of the UTD podcast. It is time to talk about the Fallen Star. This is your last warning. This will be a full spoiler discussion, and for this book especially, I urge you to really read the book and make sure that you enjoy the entire thing fully. Uh, don't <laughs> let us ruin this book for you, Charles. It's about that time. Let's dive into yet another UTD roundtable.
4: Yeah. To be clear, we always uh, encourage you to read the book, but let's let's uh, but go ahead and real. do this. <laughs> let's go ahead and do this plot synopsis. <clears throat> guys, strap in. This is another one of the long ones, but here we go. Despite the atrocities of the Republic Fair, the galaxy is still in need and the Jedi must persevere. After a cyclone decimates the planet Irem's water supply, Starlight Beacon arrives to assist. Marky and fixated by his plight against the Jedi, orders coordinated attacks on key planets around the galaxy. Meanwhile, his assistant, Thea Fair, slowly transfers all other living beings off of Roe's flagship, the Gaze Electric. Elsewhere, Elzar Mann, under the tutelage of Orla Jereni, finishes a meditative retreat on the planet Lidalau, having become more centered but guarded in his use of the Force. The two are picked up by the crew of the vessel just as reports of Nile attacks come rolling in. Jedi Regil Call escorts two newly captured prisoners aboard Starlight Beacon, none other than Chansey and Nan. They're to be questioned despite their insistence that they are no longer with the Nile. Bel Zedifar, Buriaga, and their masters also returned to Starlight after their most recent mission. As news of the Nile attacks spread, the Jedi focused their efforts on providing a safe haven for victims. Civilians flocked to Starlight, looking for safety. Amongst their numbers are Affie halo Leox-Jossi, Geode, Joss and Pika-Adrian, and a small crew of Nile disguised as maintenance workers sent by Marky and Roe. These saboteurs quickly get to work disrupting key systems aboard the station. Amongst this chaos, something else has gone awry. More and more Jedi aboard Starlight can feel that something about their connection to the Force is off. An inexplicable sense of dread has taken its place. Stellan Geos struggles as the interim marshal of Starlight Beacon. The responsibilities weigh heavily on his shoulders, especially after the events of the Republic Fair. But none weigh so heavily as his falling out with one of his closest childhood friends, Avar Chris, over her pursuit of Lorna D, the supposed Eye of the Nile. His life is made more difficult by his exceedingly annoying new personal assistant, a droid named JJ-5145, who was a gift from Elzar Mann. Things worsen further when Stellan is haunted by a horrible nightmare, or perhaps a premonition, of great suffering and death. Tensions among the civilians aboard Starlet are high, but grow only higher when the crew of the vessel realize their arch-nemesis, Coley Lynn, is also aboard. Yet, they also find new friends in the form of the Adrians. Orla Jereni wanders the station, searching for the source of the disturbance in the force. She stumbles upon Regil Call doing the same, though their joint search yields nothing out of the ordinary. Stellan calls a meeting with Elzar and Orla. He shares his dark dream with them, and through their combined efforts, they're able to identify that the disturbances are strongest near the cargo bay. They move to investigate.
5: The Nihil Saboteurs discover that Chansey Yarrow and Nan are aboard and decide to add to the mayhem by setting them free. Together, they all head for their main target, the reactor core of Starlight Beacon. Archeon Roe and Thea Fair, now the last living beings aboard the Gaze Electric, receive their first shipment of new crew members, Enforcer Droids. Senator Giristaros Geras- uh, arrives shortly after, shockingly working alongside Roe as a Republican formant. Amongst other things. Avar Krish returns aboard her ship, the Ataraxia, but is quickly informed by Stellan that she is no longer Marshal of the Starlight Beacon. Though the two are at odds, there are bigger problems at hand. Orla Jereni, Indira Stokes, and Regild Call go to investigate the cargo hold. Before long, Regild is attacked and transformed into a lifeless husk, just like Loden Greatstorm. Indira Stokes is also attacked and badly injured, but somehow survives. Indira is transported to the medical bay, and Zedifar is faced with yet another, another of his masters falling. The Nihil detonate an explosive in the main reactor core, utterly destabilizing Starlight. Chansey and Nan are horrified to learn that the Nihil have no plans for escape. It was a suicide mission from the start. The fallout from the explosion is devastating. Panic takes hold among Starlight's inhabitants, communication systems are down, and lethal levels of radiation completely isolate sections of the station from each other. What's worse, the launch bay doors have sealed, trapping everyone aboard. With the help of jj 515145 and an array of astromechs, Stellan and Elzar set up a secondary command station in the Quartermaster's office and discover that the top and bottom halves of Starlight have essentially been cut off from each other. Worse still, they quickly find the beacon is caught in Irem's gravitational pull and unless something changes, they will crash within hours. Though the Jedi debate whether or not to tell the trapped civilians that Starlight is falling, Leox Jassy figures it's out for himself. That secret doesn't last long, as Coley Lin overhears Affi telling Pika and begins spreading the word, whipping the other civilians aboard the station into a frenzy. Bell and Buryaga are able to hotwire a droid in the medical tower, to send a short-range signal to a nearby Irem medical freighter to request assistance. Driven mad by what's going on aboard the station, Orla decides to go looking for whatever is hunting the Jedi. Unfortunately, she finds the answer, and she too is husked by a mysterious creature. Her final moments are marked by agony, confusion, and an inexplicable void where the Force used to be. Leox finds a way to send long-range signals from the vessel even though Starlight can't do it itself. Stellan alerts the Jedi Council, who plan to send aid, but even the closest ships may not make it in time. I think it was like three hours. Stellan (laughs) realizes that Nihil attacks were strategically placed multiple hyperspace jumps from the beacon so that it could be entirely on its own.
3: Bell and Buriaga find a maintenance shaft that allows them to reach Elzar Mann in the Quartermaster's office. Elzar informs them of Jedi disappearances, and the two decide to start a search. Suddenly, the infrastructure of Starlight Beacon reaches its breaking point, and the entire station rips in two. Both equally doomed halves plummet towards Ariam uh I Irems? Iram, sorry. <laughs> I listened to the audiobook. I know all the names, it just took me a second. <laughs> uh uh all right. so the the beacon reaches breaking point in the entire station rips into two, both equally doomed halves plummet towards Irem's surface. Queen Thendaka informs Stellan that an analyst on Irem believed the top half of Starlet uh, housing Avar uh, Estella Maru and others will burn up in the atmosphere, and at the bottom half, Kirian Stellar Stellan Elzar and the medical tower will strike one of the biggest cities on the coast. She must consider shooting down and destroying the station to save her own people. On their search, Bell and Beriaga stumble upon the remains of Orla Gireni, and shortly thereafter, those of Nib Asik, Beriaga's master. Stellan is then personally confronted by one of the disturbances in the force. He narrowly escapes by deploying an airlock to separate himself from it. Using the new command station, the Jedi are able to get Starlight's positional thrusters online again. But unless they can physically get to the controls deep in in the irradiated base of the station, it's still not enough. Without warning, the top half of Starlight Beacon catches fire in Irem's atmosphere and explodes, killing all on board. Koli lin wastes no time using this fact to try and convince other civilians that the Jedi can't protect them. He tries to rally forces to fire their ship's weapons at the launch bay doors to create their own escape route. Stellan limps back to Elzar, a shadow of his usual self after his confrontation with the Disturbance. With everything they know and love crumbling around them, the two have their first honest conversation in years, not as Jedi, but as friends. Elzar, fully aware of his potentially unhealthy connection to Avar, tries to communicate with her through the Force. They make brief contact, both experiencing the Force how... The other typically does. Elzar hears a melody, and Avar hears the sea, and they, each other, they realize each other is still alive. Though it's not much, it's enough for now. Elzar plans to use the retrofitting subsystem of Starlight, a program that allows walls to collapse and rebuild, to alter the interior of the station to allow ships to fly from the launch bay to the cargo bay. There, the cargo bay may be de- depressurized to provide an escape route. He also hopes it will allow him passage to the base of the station, uh, to operate the positional thrusters. However, however Bell and Buryaga have to clear the way first, a feat made exponentially more difficult when they accidentally release a remorse of Rathdars in the cargo bay. They are forced to retreat. Bell hurries back to the medical tower upon formulating a new plan to get the Iron medical frigate docked for the station so that the sickest patients, including Indira Stokes, can be moved. He builds and detonates a bomb that separates the medical tower from the rest of Starlight, leaving it floating in free space, but allowing the medical frigate to dock. Elzar and Buriaga return to the cargo bay together to fight off the Rathdars, but Buriaga is swarmed and carried away.
0: Coley Lin, finally out of patience, initiates his plan to blow open the launch bay doors, but when things don't go according to plan, he takes a small child hostage. Geode comes to the rescue and saves the child. As revenge, Lin tries to shoot and kill Geode, but the blaster bolt ricochets back and kills Lin instantly. Chansey and Nan search Lin's ship and find radiation suits that he had stolen from the station. Chansey plans to use them to reach the positional thrusters since it seems their only hope of survival. Ships from around the Republic amass at IRM in an attempt to help, but matters are already beyond saving. All they can do is witness the horror. The gaze electric also arrives, and Roe smugly watches his plan come to fruition. Spurred on by sheer desperation, Elzar once again fully opens himself to the force and manages to open the cargo bay doors, allowing some civilians to escape. In the process, Buriaga is very likely pulled out into the vacuum of space and killed. Athy and Leox realize they can take the power cores from the ships left behind in the launch bay to power escape pods. They quickly set to work. After transferring the sick and injured to the medical frigate, Bell flies a shuttle back to Starlight to search for Buriaga. Instead... He is tasked with helping clear the path for the escape pods prior to their launch. Elzar flies a maintenance pod to the base of the station. Along the way, he is attacked by one of the disturbances, but just manages to escape. As Chansey and Nan near their positional thrusters, they are attacked by the Nile saboteurs who are intent on the total destruction of Starlight. The Nile are defeated, and Chansey sets to work. On Iram, Queens Dima and Thendeka are urged by their defense minister to shoot Starlight down, but they refuse. They instead order a mass evacuation from Baraza. Leox, realizing they are running out of time, produces a thermal detonator from the vessel and thinks it may be able to crack open the launch bay doors. Clinging to the side of the station, he detonates the explosive and opens the doors, allowing ships, including the vessel, to escape. However, in the process, the wind rips him from the station and he presumably falls to his death. Elzar arrives at the base of the station and finds Chancey and Nan working on the thrusters. Thinking they are further sabotaging Starlight... He immediately attacks them and cuts Chansey in half mere moments before she brings the systems back online. Warnings blare over the intercoms that the station has fallen below the altitude at which the positional thrusters can be effective, and Elzar is left to reconcile with the fact that he has murdered someone in cold blood, and in doing so, has sealed the fate of those left on board. Stellan and JJ-5145 then arrive, having followed in another maintenance pod. Stellan urges Elzar to leave immediately. He obliges, thinking his friend will be right behind him. Stellan takes the controls and fires the positional thrusters to full power. Though he can't stop the station from crashing, he can keep it from landing directly on the city of Baraza. He knows that if he tries to escape, the station won't move far enough. He accepts his death in exchange for the survival of others. What's left of Starlight Beacon crashes into the ocean just outside of Baraza, killing all who were left on board. Survivors gather across the coastline, witnessing the chilling aftermath of something truly unthinkable. Affy and Geode mourn Leox until he surprisingly reappears, revealing he was wearing a parachute that allowed him to survive. Elzar and Avar also reunited and eagerly await the arrival of Stellan, who they presume used one of the last escape pods. Instead, JJ5145 Award arrives, carrying news of Stellan's sacrifice, as well as a final gift for Elzar, his lightsaber. In the wake of tragedy, the people of Baraza and the survivors of Starlight Beacon work together to search for normalcy, a citywide effort is amassed to mitigate the damage. The remaining Jedi use their reforged connection to the Force to realign the desalination plant, thus sparing the entire planet of Irim from water deprivation and yet more lives lost. Thus, some good is found amongst immeasurable devastation. Despite the assumption that the Wookiee died, Bell vows to find Buryaga. He refuses to leave another Jedi behind when there's any chance they survived, He declares this in remembrance of his former master, Loden Greatstorm. Markeon Unro sends a broadcast to the rest of the galaxy on the former frequency of Starlight Beacon. He identifies himself as the Eye of the Nile and not only lays claim to the galaxy, but promises there is much more death and destruction to come.
4: And everyone lived happily ever after. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Charles,
0: you have outdone yourself on writing that, all, by Charles, the way. Charles wrote all that by himself. Like 10
5: minutes before the show. Like, like, nah, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
4: so oh, so there you have it. In case you're here and you didn't read the book, you got just the important bits and hopefully some of the emotional weight behind it. Now, guys, let's go around one at a time. Let's do what we always do. Let's rate the book 1 to 10. You can give any initial thoughts you have, but save anything uh, too big for later in the roundtable. So first, Wes, you just finished this book. You read it in a couple of days. What do you rate
5: it? Okay, so I started, I started this book um, with, uh, at our um, Asheville meetup. I started on the audio book. And then I didn't read it for a week, so I forgot everything. So I started <laughs> over. <laughs> so I started on, I started last Friday and I finished last night. Um, but, um, it was, I thought the beginning, um, and some parts in the middle were, it was a little slower than I had liked. Yeah. Um, but the, the writing of, like, of the Jedi and the struggle everybody went through and just like the, the existential crisis mm. that some of them had to had come to terms with was amazing such such good writing that claudia gray is she's obviously one of my best star wars writers if not one of my favorite writers that i've ever read mm-hmm. so um having said that i'm going to give this book a 9.0 very
0: mm. solid okay very solid
4: that is a solid score out of the gate Corey, what'd you think
5: yeah, uh
3: I was a little later to this book. Uh you Charles and Eric, you guys both finished this really really fast. Uh Eric, you had to finish it really really fast cuz we had a mm-hmm. we had a very fast turnaround uh on the on the review copy from the publisher um which which made it a little challenging, not going to lie, but we did get a review <laughs> out. Um and uh your reaction was very visceral. I can't wait to hear you talk about it. Um you know, I was uh I finished it I think about 2 weeks ago. I'm pretty sure I finished it about 2 weeks ago and uh I also very much enjoyed this book. I thought like you said, Wes, I thought there was some slow build up. And maybe the build up felt a little slow because you kinda know what's gonna happen, right? Like it's on the dang cover, right? You know the Yeah, the falling star, You know it's going to happen. So you're kind of like it's like watching the Titanic. You're like, all right, where's that damn iceberg? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, (laughs) it's a good analogy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like you know what you know what's (laughs) going to happen, right? You know what's going to happen. So like, there's a lot of buildup, and uh, that 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 took a little while to get into. But I mean, I don't know how they could have just opened with that either. So that's a whole other conversation. Uh, overall, once the book like really picked up and bad shit starts happening, I mean, this book could really have been called like you know Star Wars: The Book of Bad Things. Like seriously, if something <laughs> bad happens like every single chapter. It seems like yeah. I had trouble putting it down. I really did. Like I mean, I was a, I was a. Um, I was listening to it. Like I, had, I set my phone in the shower, so when I get home from work, I listen to it in the shower. And then I actually bought a Bluetooth speaker so I could continue listening to it in the shower <laughs> Like because oh, wow. of this book. Yeah, so like, like I, could, I really didn't want to put Caitlin's it down. Caitlin's like, why are you so
5: pruney? <laughs> I've been in the shower for 45 minutes.
3: Yeah. I really had trouble putting it down. It like, Wes and I have talked about, we, we kind of share this, like you listen to it in the car in the ride home, and then like, you sit in the driveway for 10 minutes. I was doing that a lot with this book. And uh, I, I very much enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good experience. I thought I had a couple has a of plot things I'm happy to talk about that I think maybe detracted a little bit from, from the story. Um, but overall, I very, very much enjoyed this book, and I will give it an 8.8. 8.
0: Very solid.
4: Okay. 9.0 and 8.8. 8. Eric, what about you?
0: Um, so as Corey said, uh, I got this book, and we had about 48 hours of a turnaround time before I needed to start writing the review. <laughs> And I had not read a book that fast in a while. Um, and I was a little worried that like, you know, having that kind of pressure comes, detracts from a reading experience, you know, you can get a little, you can get more worried about the date and the time than the book. But that timetable weirdly allowed me to give into the, the stress of the book that the characters were feeling. It, it all takes place in a very finite period of time. It's not a long, it's not months, it's not weeks, it's, it is all within basically this moment. Of Starlight Beacon falling is the whole book, and I, as I wrote in my review, have never had such a visceral reaction to a book. I have, I, despite my love of books, I've never had like the open like, oh my god, I sobbed because of this book. I cried like audibly and like all these things I've heard people do, and I just like, oh, maybe that's just not me. Maybe I can feel that level of emotion, but I will never actually like have vocal tears about a book until the fallen star by the end of it i was very very inconsolable uh, as a person mm. and also the <laughs> fact of reading it for the review early and not having anyone to share that with was a special kind of isolation which i also think really worked in the emotional reality of the book all that to say um i was not a fan of into the dark as much as claudia gray's previous work i doubted a little bit how much i would like her doing this book and I immediately got slapped in the face by Claudia Grace Talent and said, remember who I am, you dumb little boy. <laughs> and uh, I, I happily give this book a 9.8. I put it all the way out there. Wow. I I have not stopped thinking about this book. I know Midnight Horizon is still a month away from us, but these two books, back-to-back, I think are the strongest, easily adult-to-YA combo of The Higher republic so far. Mm. And the way this book ends just hit me in a way no other book in any medium ever has before and I can't wait to talk about it more. 9.8, mm. happily. Dang, man. Wow. I'm excited to boost my mm-hmm. score then because I know it's going to happen <laughs> after this conversation. So. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, I, I took a moment uh, with this book to go back and listen to what I rated The Rising Storm uh, because I knew how I viewed those two books in, in particular just in terms of my experience and this and that and I decided to give this book a 9.0 as well. So Wes and I are the same. Um, I think this
3: book this, this is, pretty, this is pretty typical on the this, this
4: scoring, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, Wes gets it, super high.
3: Is. I kind of low ball it. <laughs> you guys are in the middle. <laughs> Eric, Eric loves it. Um, we're acting in character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: this, this book, for me, it's pretty incredible to think that it's, whatever, 400 pages, and it's telling the story of really a matter of hours and I mm-hmm. think it for me it, it did really hold up in terms of the momentum because every every chapter just things went from bad to worse, to worse, to worse, to worse. Until the very end, I felt like all of that, all the weight of that was behind those final, you know, really deeply emotional moments. I I think they delivered despite the fact that like you said, Corey, we knew what was gonna happen. This was the yeah. Titanic, it was doomed from the get go. Um, and keep in mind, we've been talking about Starlight Beacon being doomed literally from when it was introduced as a concept, <laughs> predict, right? Not, yeah, not, when is not this giant this thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: What is this brilliant thing that's literally never seen in any yes. other Star Wars? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'm sure it just got forgotten about. Yeah, it, yeah, it's, like, it's a geonosis. You, got, you know, you got put right. in storage. <laughs> right. And so you would think that storage light beacon. Am I right? <laughs> so, so you would have uh,
4: kept that. that. Should have kept that in. <laughs> I don't even understand it, but I'm moving past it. And (laughs) (laughs) all that said, the book really had a lot of reasons why maybe it it shouldn't have delivered in those final moments, and I still think that it did. And I Mm -hmm. think that's probably a testament to Claudia Gray. I think she has hit another home run with this book. And uh, R.I.P. Stellan. That's all I have to say about that.
3: Yeah, dude. (sighs) Obi-Wan of the High Republic, man.
4: Yeah. So...
0: I for sure. oh. yeah we're, we'll get there we'll, get, we'll there. get
4: there so let's go ahead and jump into the character section um, yep. you know I, I don't know if maybe we should just start this off with a moment of silence uh, I, I think maybe that's probably appropriate but we'll skip that just in, in in the interest of time we're gonna do what we've done with most of our recent structures for the character section I'm gonna read y'all some quotes ask you one big prompt and then take that wherever you want till we move to the next yep. character mm-hmm. great and I actually don't want to start with who you might expect, I want to start with Bel Zetifar, who played a really big role, at least he was developed a lot as a character in this book, uh, even though his name didn't pop up a whole bunch in that plot synopsis. And the first quote comes from very early on, page six. It says, finally, action, a chance to move on the Nile. Bel had wanted this, needed it, ever since the loss of his former master, Loden Greatstorm. Not for vengeance, Greatstorm would never have wanted that. For the knowledge that Bell had done something, anything, to counteract the evil that had robbed his master of his life. The Nile were already beaten, it seemed, but neither Bell nor the rest of the galaxy would be at peace until the threat had been laid to rest. Once everyone else regained their confidence and security, maybe Bell would too.
2: Hmm.
4: Yeah, I just got, I actually just got some goosebumps. Um, (laughs) Page 38. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, what's up?
0: I was gonna say that that quote is so because it's so early, right? It's so mm-hmm. yeah. definitive on Bell. though. Bell I think is one of those characters six, that is dude. we've all loved so much. He's won so many brackets of of favorite characters because he is burdened with so much legacy from the tragedies he has already gone through. But he has risen and risen and risen and risen in in a, in a way that we haven't really seen weirdly, really in any other Jedi previously in Star Wars. And I think that someone who has gone through so much hardship and had Issues and had had doubts and had moments if I'm not strong enough, I don't know what I can do watching mm-hmm. Bell as this strong young man still choose light despite everything telling him that dark would be easier and dark has won it may I, I think he is legit one of the most inspiring characters. In all of Star yeah. Wars, and the fact that Claudia Gray starts this on page six is like, no, Bell is still that dude. Mm-hmm. He is mm-hmm. the fire, he is the light, and he is going to keep going. Yep. And it shows throughout the whole book.
4: I mean, just just call him the Rocky Balboa of the High Republic, why don't you? <laughs> yes! Rocky Balboa! Rocky <laughs> that Balboa. That was better. That was better. Just okay. like
5: in the very beginning, too, you can tell that that he he kind of gives in. He It sounds like he's giving in to fear, or he's giving in. He's like, he can fear... He can feel the rage building up of all of the things that have happened over the like past months, but then he he realizes that is that is not the right way, and he mm-hmm. he, he keeps showing that throughout. Like yeah, like foot, page six, the very beginning, and there is so many instances that happen throughout the book, and he has to keep fighting off the all those like all the like the dark side, or has to keep fighting off um, not trying to you know succumb to fear so he is like you said eric he, without a doubt like the essence of what a jedi really is yeah
4: yeah yeah all, all right you hooligans let, let me read the rest of these quotes so then you can say whatever you want i swear i'm gonna be Excellent. quiet <laughs> <Tell me who. laughs> page page 38 <laughs> acceptance was strength it was not being able to carry the weight of what had been and what had not through all the many days months years and decades to follow Uh, Bell would bear this burden as long as he cherished the memory of Loden Greatstorm. That meant he would bear it always. On page 340, getting close to the end of the book, I assumed, we all assumed, that Master Loden was lost when really he was being held captive by the Nile. If I'd kept the faith, if I'd insisted on looking for him, we'd have spared him a great deal of suffering and we'd probably have saved his life. So I'm not giving up on anyone else like that ever again. That starts with Buryatka. And then on page 273. oh, this one's this one might make me misty, guys. I'm so glad you did this one. Stellan held up one hand in farewell, wondering whether he would ever see Bell Zetifar again. At least in this moment, he'd been granted a glimpse of the great Jedi knight Bell would become. So, my question for you about Bell is how has Bell's incredibly difficult journey up to this point in the High Republic, shaped his approach to tragedy in this novel. What ways have you seen him grow the most?
3: Yeah. Oh man, I, I will say that I will say that Claudia Gray is absolutely brilliant at writing tragedy, and mm-hmm. like these really heavy emotional moments that are in this book are are like like. Like every character has a couple of them, it seems like all the major characters has a couple of these really deep soul searching moments, and, and Claudia Gray is absolutely genius at writing them. And like I felt those moments, and like I got misty eyed a couple times. I didn't openly sob, but I did get misty eyed a couple times during this book. Uh, and and Bell dealing with with Loden has been one of my favorites like, heart-wrenching aspects about the entire High Republic initiative, and, like, it's it's just... It was such a beautiful way to shape his character, and it happened very early. Like, you know, when when they killed off Loden, like, I, I didn't think anybody was safe at that point, and, yeah. like, that was such a good move for his character development to, to like... Like to, to allow the listener or the reader to like be along with Stellan here, right? Like I felt like I was also able to catch those glimpses of what a great Jedi he's gonna be, right? Of a Jedi Knight he's gonna be, uh, and uh, like the icing on the cake at the very end, and also kind of when I knew Stellan was, you know, kind of screwed, was uh, <laughs> when you when you had this final this final line of farewell to Bell. Like that was such a beautiful, powerful moment because I feel like bell's there he's at the trials already maybe this is the trials right so
0: yeah yeah i i i love that in this book you could tell this is the woman who wrote master and apprentice because she so understands the the intimacy of that relationship honestly between master and apprentice and also just like jedi master and jedi knight or, or jedi padawan of any kind because charles what i loved about that quote you read on 273 directly preceding it stellan has a thought where he says He's not asking permission. He's not second-guessing himself. The doubt that had gripped Bell since Loden's initial disappearance has gone in good riddance. You've done well, Stellan said. Indira will be proud of you when she wakes, and Loden Greatstorm would have been proud too. And I think that is, that is what I have learned about Belle because I feel like, Corey, you're saying, like I feel like we're Stellan, and we are Indira, and we are watching Belle, and we're just so damn proud of him. Because we've watched him grow and watched him be like, "God, man, if I was you, kid, I could not get back up." And yeah. you are ready to—you yeah, are going to yeah. go build a bomb to save your master. You are—you yeah. are doing this, and I'm just like the—the the way <clears throat> Claudia Gray writes that level of almost parental pride in Bell from the rest of the Jedi. I mean, Stellan is—is is, right the highest, but all of them I feel like feel this way towards Bell Zeddifar, and I think that is more than anything. More than even Bell's journey, has been everyone's journey around him. Is them waking up in this book, being like, "Oh my god, Bell Zedifar is going to be the best of us, isn't he?" And you just had yeah. that moment of clarity, and that's what yeah, this book yeah. really meant.
5: Yeah. And how how hard is it? do You think of him having to get a new master, like right after Loden died. Like <laughs> yeah, you think, dude. like you know, just accepting that he has to he has to listen or be mentored by somebody else. I mean, it's almost like. Well, they it's wanted to like deny dog him too, dies right? Remember, right? Yeah. Like they
3: wanted to deny him, but yep. he wouldn't let them deny him. Right? Like yeah. He, not till Logan
0: was there to yeah. watch. Yeah. Oof. Oof.
5: So yeah, I mean that's rough. That that's psychological, like turmoil that he had go. He's probably go through his entire life. Yeah. I don't. I don't see him getting over, like getting over all of this. I wouldn't say like, maybe eventually. Like I'd say ever.
0: Ever. Well, and yeah. I think that's the cool thing about yeah, him too sure. is that when when Charles Soul made the decision that Bell Zeddifar danced with fire in light of the Jedi, right? That's how he described him. Fire is by nature volatile, right? It, it it can't really be controlled. It can just be like you can kind of move it to the direction you want, and you have to use it for the right reasons, or else it will destroy everything. And I think like Bell, with that much tragedy and that much pain, could easily just burn up. He got mm. for himself. He could explode elsewhere. He could be an Anakin, but he channels his fire, and he doesn't make it rage but he lets it burn and simmer to give him the power but he never lets it quite quite explode off of him which i think makes him unlike any other jedi we've seen
4: yeah there's something really intriguing and I ray
0: think... joined us for our audio listeners I ray know. has now joined the yes. chat hi baby girl insisted on jumping in my lap <coughs>
3: she's yeah hi sweetie <laughs> if in a second but hello ray
0: so i i think there's
4: something really intriguing about in a book and in a overall story that is as full of tragedy as as the high republic has been to look at it through the eyes of someone young right because bel zedafar is very early on in his jedi training early on in his life he's you know i i kind of do equate him to a young obi-wan uh from like the phantom menace he's like around that stage and we see him go through some of the hardest things that jedi have to experience in their entire life, and, and he right. undergoes them in a matter of, you know, three books that we've read—a short time period in universe as well—and not only see him have to deal with that tragedy, but to have to grow up probably faster than he wanted to, and to have to learn the, these coping mechanisms without anyone to teach them because his masters are gone. It's just—it's yeah. it, an extra layer of heartbreak, and and to see him have to just grow up so fast is it it makes him really in, endearing it, it's a terrible thing to make mm-hmm. you endearing but really it is to lose that sort of innocence um it it, it just pulls at the heartstrings
3: yeah for sure yeah
2: mm-hmm.
0: all the love sure. to bell i uh blind face in the chat uh says something i think we'd all love i want to see old old ben bell gray beard <laughs> all uh wizened old bell cuz oh my god he's so wise now just imagine being able to be trained by old master Zafar. Just, I, I hope we get there.
5: I hope yes. we do. Yeah, he'd have all the experiences that you would need to learn from. Yeah,
0: yeah.
4: If they kill bell i will never come back to this
0: podcast <laughs> well it would be a, well charles it would take a while there would be kill bell volume one there would be kill bell volume oh, Two. Yes. <laughs>
3: oh my word get out of here bro uh, Clement- we need to, like whatever levity we can find in this episode we just gotta, <laughs> we gotta throw out <laughs> it because
0: it's all sadness <laughs> we gotta take
4: it well one one last moment of levity while we're talking about bell obligatory shout out to ember i love yeah. you ember And there's a moment in this book where she's excited to see Belle and she's like wagging her tail and jumps up in his arms and shes I think she's described as wriggling and that just made me me so happy.
3: I know. That's how they are. Good girl.
4: So the next few characters are inevitably intertwined. There's going to be some bleeding into each other here and that's fine. We'll just take the conversation as it comes. That's because these next characters are a constellation. And the first... the first star in that constellation I want to talk about is Stellan Geos. So you guys know where this is going.
5: Oh, my God. The
4: first quote I have for you is from page 239, and it's Stellan uh, commenting on the destruction of Starlight. The quote goes, It was a failure so complete, so appalling, that Stellan could scarcely comprehend it. The symbol of the Jedi, their pride and joy. Under my watch, Starlight was destroyed. Elzar cocked his head. Stellan? Can you hear me? Of course, Stellan could, but he couldn't react to it, couldn't act at all. Whatever evil lurked aboard the station had stolen more than the force. It had stolen his pride, his will, his tongue. If only it could steal his pain. Just a few pages later, on 244, Stellan says, Greatness can mean a lot of different things. I've always believed it meant duty, honor, selflessness, but how can you be selfless if you've never defined yourself? Because I never have, Elzar. I've lived as a Jedi exemplar, poured myself into a mold shaped by others, but take away my ability to use the Force, and I find myself left as, as a man I hardly know. From this same exact page, this was a killer page. Claudia, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Stellan shook his head, and at last met Elzar's eyes. The openness Elzar saw there, the vulnerability, was something the two of them had not shared since they were Padawans. Stellan had shielded himself so slowly, so gradually, that Elzar hadn't even noticed it. My friend has returned to me, Elzar thought. The one I didn't even realize was gone. And then the final quote I have for you from 330, JJ5145 to Stellan. But you must evacuate or you will die. I know what I'm doing, 45, Stellan said. He felt stronger than he had in days, maybe stronger than he ever had in his life. He imagined Elzar Mann's face, then Avars, then Orla Jereni's, and he smiled. I know who I am.
3: So,
5: (laughs) Yeah, I know.
4: Get out of here, man.
3: man. Holy crap. Like, Uh, seriously.
4: I mean, Claudia went off in this book, (laughs) man. Listen, the
3: droids set up, you know, Set up the best deaths in Star Wars, in my yeah. opinion, because yeah. they're, they're an alley oop of emotion. They are, they are an alley oop of emotion because, like, yeah. they, they, things, right? so they they don't feel things, right? So they just set up the absolute best deaths. when K two recognize logic. One, yes, yeah. when when K two mm-hmm. dies in Rogue One, and he says like he says his farewell to the other characters. You are like nobody's safe, nobody is yep. safe. Yep. Like, and it's just it was such a beautiful touch to do droid farewell at the very very end yeah. to state the yeah. obvious right yeah. like for the reader it was very, if you don't rewarding. leave you will die yeah yes i love
4: yeah.
5: this and what made that what kind of like made that even worse so if the audiobook for our audiobook listeners jj5145 <laughs> is is Andy Dick that's who that's who it sounds like 100% <laughs> if you know Andy Dick is so it's it's very quirky um he, every in everything he says, whether he's being serious or whether he's being he's trying to be funny, um, he has a very weird and quirky voice. But this particular um segment he where he said, But you must evacuate or you will die. Like he was like heartfelt about it. Yeah. And yeah. like completely changed his tone and you yeah. like as you listened to it or you were just like, Oh my god, this is it. Yeah. Like he's he's gonna sacrifice yeah. himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was very that- good.
0: There there were some moments... So I read the book mostly physically. Uh, and we did get an audio review copy as well, which I went back to occasionally, depending on my time. And this was a scene, Stellan's Sacrifice, where I read it, and then I immediately put on the headphones and I listened to it again because I thought Mark Thompson did such great work in this book. I wanted to hear him do the scene. Mm-hmm. And then the other scene where I did that was the one, Charles, that you just pulled, like, three quotes from. In 244 when he 244. talks
4: with, with Elzar, yeah.
0: I think... This scene hit me. It's one of my scenes of of the year already, obviously. I know we're early, but as far as you teenies, we have moments of the year, we have things like that. This is already a front runner for me. Mm-hmm. I think this scene is so important for male friendships cuz as as far as like we we've talked about this amongst ourselves. I think a lot of a lot of men are getting better about this nowadays, but seeing two men at the height of their power, at the height of their strength come together and just be so vulnerable and open with each other about the Jedi, about their identity, about tragedy, about loss, and about the love they have for each other. And they're like, man, I got you. What do you need me for? It's, it's like the Rising Storm had this a bit when Elzar was afraid of his power. Mm-hmm. This scene was longer. I thought it was more <clears throat> intense like that. And I was like, my God, what a gift. I hope there are a lot of, of young men that read this and get this. Mm-hmm. And understand that you can be this for your friends, yep. and obviously, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter what gender you are to have these kind of conversations, but for the stereotypes of hypermasculinity and things that you don't have these conversations, seeing these two master Jedi talk to themselves about this was so wonderful. And like they said in the chat, now knowing the end of the book, I'm like, oh my god, I'm so glad Elzar got to have this talk with Stellan because you, you, he didn't get that at the end of this book. Yeah. And and to counter this, I don't know who I am, I'm fearful, I don't know who I am as a Jedi, with his literal last words of, I know who I am, yeah. he gets <laughs> that moment. His And no one else sees it but the droid. Like you said, Corey, mm-hmm. it's only the droids. Yeah, No one else gets to see that Stellan has that moment of revelation, but it doesn't matter because he knows he gets it, and he is finally fulfilled in saving Elzar and Avar, the two thoughts he has. And it's just, it is such a beautiful, what is that, almost 100-page little little sequence right there that I think does more for Stellan as a character than some characters get across 12 books. Yeah.
4: Well, well, so can we try to answer uh, the question that I think was was kind of raised by Orla Jereni initially, but that Stellan really adopted? And that was his identity, right? His identity was, was constantly questioned through this book. It was, who is Stellan without the Jedi Order? And in, in his last moments, he says that phrase that's so important for, for his character progression, I know who I am. So mm-hmm. Stellan found that answer. I'm curious as to what y'all think that answer is. Who is Stellan Geos mm-hmm. without yeah. the Jedi Order?
3: You know, uh, so this is, you know, I, I did give this book a much lower score than everybody else, so like, I feel like I have to... At least talk about some of those reasons a little bit. And Stellan yeah. Stellan's character development a little bit in this book is one of my I would call it a small criticism, I think. Because yeah. I didn't really feel his character development super strong in this book, right? Of like like I felt like it was supposed to it was it was supposed to have been very profound and I felt it very powerful, but like I don't feel like we got a different Stellan in this book than we've already had. You know what I mean? Like like we've already sort of gotten this exploration of, you know, self righteousness and all this kind of stuff throughout the story that I didn't really, I didn't really, it didn't really feel like as huge of a of a question of of who is he. I have no idea to Charles answer your question. Who is he without the Jedi? Oh, dude, I don't know. Like he seems exactly the same as he always has been. So I'm interested to hear what your what your question what your answer is with this. Like who uh, is he? Can like, can I piggyback on that? Yeah. Uh, and then I want to hear what everyone
4: else has to say. I think that might. Be the point, and to be okay. entirely honest with you, that didn't occur to me until you just kind of said what you said. Well, but like maybe like the
3: fact that he doesn't know who he is, like that's the no, point. no, no, no. I think the point is that he
4: is the person who puts his neck out for his friends, not because the oh, okay. order tells him it's the right thing to do, but because that, that's is. that's who he is. He does it it's anyway. Like, like
3: Obi Wan, Obi Wan is not. He's not. He doesn't have to pretend to be the best Jedi because he is the best Jedi. Right? <laughs> well, that, that I'm biased, saying? but I'm biased, but mixed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You said it, so
0: yeah. I I mean, I'm gonna just defer to the chat. Right, my words, literally word for word, was I was gonna say. Alexander just said, "Stellan without the Order is a friend," and Stephanie says, "and mm-hmm. a brother." And I think mm-hmm. you nailed it there, Charles. To me, this book showed that Stellan always thought he was doing things only because the Order said, and maybe those aligned but in that in that moment yeah there's no glory to be received there's no no one ordering him to do anything he is making that sacrifice because he thinks about elzar he thinks about aver he doesn't think about the jedi he doesn't Mm -hmm. think about the force he thinks about the people he is saving and his friends that he loves and i think that he's having that moment of of realization which i think the jedi should ultimately be and we don't Mm -hmm. see as much in the prequels obviously when the dogma gets a little more intense the perfect jedi is the person that is doing things for the right reasons, but those right reasons are because you also love people. Yeah. yeah. Like friends. Yeah. So I, and, I love that. I just, I'm, I'm going steal that from all y'all. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. That's, a, that's a good point. And I, I do see that that's maybe kind of what they were trying to portray a little bit with the, you know, he's just a really great friend. And I don't really feel like we saw that exploration very much. Like, you know, I feel fair, like it, that's a that's a key part of Elzar Man's character is he has got all this background with Avar, all this background with Stellan, but that feels like Elzar's like, character development, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't feel like Stellan's character development. So, like, I think I missed a little bit of that, like, weight that his death was supposed to have in the end, which is probably why it didn't hit me as hard. I... As terrible as it is, I wish it would have been man. I wish it would have been man. Like if Ooh. if the goal well, would have been. Elzar
0: has friends, and then he has nighttime friends, which is the funny about <laughs> Elzar. He's like, "Oh, Yo, you're is that, is that your friend?" It's like, "Yeah, it's my roommate, <laughs> honey. Yeah, it's my friend." It's like, <laughs>
3: "Yeah, exactly." We'll get to that exactly, exactly, so, which we'll talk about Elzar, but still
5: speaking speaking of Stellan, like he says that he kind of, he is questioning about who he is without the Jedi Order. I mean. Who who knows who they are without the Jedi? Know, right? wear. If fair. you're a Jedi, right? because you've been a Jedi your entire life, wasted. So how do you baby. know? That's why they need him. How do you know who you are? So yeah. I mean, that's and did oh my like take away the suit? Seeing, What's left? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as he's seeing the the um as seeing starlight completely crumble before his eyes, and then he is he is the marshal. He's the one that oversees this. He's like. Maybe he saw the end coming, and so he was just—he was seeing like his death in his own eyes as he was still alive. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, he's seeing himself that he's like, you know, in those end moments is—is is the thought of, "Am I a failure? Did I try to build these things and they didn't work? Am I am I a bad marshal? Am I a bad Jedi? Yeah. Like because he's seeing these evidence, but I think it, then it's it's getting that reinforcement of, no, maybe what I was supposed to be was the best I could I could was the best yeah, that I could." Yeah. Try with Elzer, and I and I do agree. <laughs> I think that a lot of this is being read in. But I think that, you know, I think that- I'm sorry, there's a there's, there's a scene in
5: Futurama. you shouldn't be laughing at any point. i of so this, sorry. Of this all right.
3: There's a any scene point. in Futurama. It's super random. It takes like two seconds where there's like this pirate and he like attacks the main <laughs> ship or whatever. And then they blow him up. And right before this it's all happens in the span of like eight seconds. Right before he blows up, he, he zooms in on a window and you can see him as the ship is about to blow up behind him. It's like catching on fire and shit. And he goes, I've realized that the true, true treasure in life is my children. And then he dies. <laughs> like oh, yeah. that's, that's basically what, it. That's what happened. He's like. God. Yeah, the only thing that matters is friendship. Then everything blows up and dies in destruction. So that's what we were supposed well, to get. I missed that. That was it. I missed that until just now. Well
5: <laughs> so y'all so the only time. And it was only one time I, I got misty-eyed in this, and that was that was the Armageddon moment. The Armageddon moment when Elzar, uh sees mm-hmm. JJ five one four five and he says, yeah. "He he wanted me to give you something." Mm-hmm. Oh, and he hands yeah. over the lightsaber and I was like, "Holy crap!" Dude. Yeah, that was heavy, that's the dude. that's the time when he handed yeah. over Harry's patch mm-hmm. to yeah yeah to his yeah. daughter or yeah no 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 to uh, to the mission control guy yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. he did huh? Yeah. That's Armageddon. Damn it! That movie gets me every time. I've seen it thirty hundred. I've uh, seen it thirty times. It's wow. 30, 40 times. I am just like God I haven't dang. seen Armageddon yeah, in like a decade. I'm gonna have to watch
3: that again. It's been a long time.
4: Anyways. So
5: Yeah, that's that's what got me. So
4: I think that another interesting angle to look at this from is I don't know if y'all noticed this because it was something more subtle. Jedi in this book were not only uh like disconnected from the force, but through that they also had their own most toxic maybe personality traits become more prominent like we yeah. saw orla jereni be more quick to anger and and the reason i bring it up is because with Stellan to me it seemed to be pride right he he yeah. put a yeah, lot yeah. of stock in being the marshal of starlight beacon being right about avar chris's uh you know uh chase to to catch lorna d when they thought she was the eye of the nile and when things came down to it, he really flipped that on his head, right? He 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 really put self-pride to the side and he said, I am who I am because of the people around me, because of these friendships I've cultivated since I was a Padawan. And, and he paid that back maybe in the best way that he could yep. have. And yeah. I, I think that just speaks so much to his character. So I know I was invested in him because he's High Republic Obi-Wan, but I, I personally, this, this really did hit me a lot. Um, and even though I'm terribly sad to see him go, I am hoping that we see the weight of his death carry forward in a similar manner to how Loden Greatstorm still permeates every book you know that, that we sure. read in the High Republic. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yep, it's an amazing sacrifice
4: so on that note I have one last quote I want to leave you with before we move on to the next character and it's from page 342 Avar murmured, Stellan always saw the force as the firmament as brilliant and expansive as all the stars in the galaxy he told me that he saw the three of us as a constellation Elzar's vision blurred with tears he fiercely blinked away an incomplete one now no He's still with us. It surely is the Force is with us. Stellan has become one with the Force, after all. Avar leaned her head against Elzar's shoulder. And when we think of him, we can always find him, as long as we look to the sky. Elzar held her close. Our pole star still shines.
2: Mm.
4: So that's how we will leave Stellan, our pole star, still shines. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> damn it. <just> right.
0: <laughs> All right. Yep. Let's go to the next All one. All right. Yep, so, Moving on. There. Just go on. Get on with it. <laughs> it on.
4: So Elzar Man, Elzar Man is who we're going to talk about next. First mm. quote for you is from page 25. But the truth within him demanded to be known. At night, when he looked up at Lidalao's three broad shining moons, he imagined them as pinpoints in Avar Chris's sky. On page 247, and then he heard it, just for a moment, just a brief sense of melody, but still, it was the song of the Force as Avar Chris heard it, and for this instant, she had gifted it to him. The shock and delight of it broke his concentration. Elzar was back in the present, as far away from Avar Chris as ever, yet he was stronger for that moment of communion. On 325, Seconds before, Elzar Mann had been a Jedi, a hero, a man on a mission to save lives. Now he stood there a murderer. He looked down at the bisected corpse lying near his feet and thought he might be sick. All the work he'd done with Orla Jereni on Lidlout, all his good intentions, all the progress he'd arrogantly believed he'd made, every bit of it had vanished in one spark of rage. That was all it had taken to tear down Elzar Mann. And then three thirty nine, Elzar thinks this to himself: My actions deprived the galaxy of one of its greatest Jedi. For the rest of my life, I will be trying to create some small fraction of the goodness he still had to give. <laughs>
2: Dude, man,
0: <laughs> these quotes you pick from this Charles, Jesus, man! I mean, listen. What of the year is going to be a racket this year, y'all, the Eugenies <laughs> it, Like, my tough. God, it's February. It's tough.
4: I, I mean, seriously. Claudia Gray did not pull punches. Um, no, and, and, when you, yeah, and when you take these, because you can't read, not every sentence back-to-back can be as incredible as these quotes that we've pulled, but when you read them back-to-back, it really is. Like, you, can't, you have no time yeah. to come up for air. Um, There's a lot of
3: good one-liners, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
4: so, so my question about Elzar is this. Having just rebounded from giving in to the dark side in The Rising Storm, did Elzar Man fail in this novel? Like is he right back in that dark place that he was before this novel, and if not, why not? What's changed?
3: That's a good question i I think you know the the jedi of this era this is interesting that this is a really good thought i think i that just came to me like the jedi in this era have like way more insight to their own feelings with the light and the dark side than any other jedi we've ever seen. You know what I mean by that like yep. like they like they like just understand like. How like most Jedi don't they only understand when they cross a line, right? I feel like. Like like Mace Windu, like when he had the Emperor, he was like, I'm gonna kill him, I'm gonna do it. Like he knew it was gonna be crossing the line. The 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 High Republic Jedi, they know when they're like approaching the line. They can see it off in the distance, right? Mm. Like and That's it's it's just they have so much insight about that in in it's it's crazy, right? So when 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 uh Sir Elzar, when Elzar is asking this question, like, like, have I crossed the line? It's like, he's asking it really, really early. You know what I mean? Like, he's asking it way before yeah. he's even he's even approached the yeah. line, right? But that makes him an interesting character because he has this. He's almost letting it consume him of like being afraid to give in to the dark side. Like, but we all know that he's like nowhere near becoming a, the dark side. You know what I mean? Like, right? Like, like he's he's so Do far. I mean, but mm. then he do, then he goes and does stupid shit like just kill this lady in full <laughs> blood, which is like when that, when that happened, that I remember I was driving on the road, I'm driving on the road, and he kills that he kills her. I'm like I, I literally go what, <laughs> like,
1: like Darth Vader, just, what, yes,
3: what, yeah, like driving down I, the road, just like it totally took me off, <laughs> totally took me off guard because it happens really fast Very it happens pretty. really fast in that scene of like he just rushes in and kills her and then
5: nan yeah nan is standing there and she's like what the hell bro
2: <laughs>
4: you yep. trying
5: to save your skin well, it just seems like such a
4: such a severe reaction like is that what elzar <laughs> does when when someone is about to make a mistake like someone's about to open the gate and the dog's gonna get out of the yard and his response is just slice them in half what? like what just say think- say stop First,
5: like <laughs> I know, he they didn't have weapons me? or
3: anything. He's yeah, just, it was it was almost like a stupid reaction, not like a, like oh my god, I got I'm gonna turn the dark side and kill these people. You know what I mean?
0: He was pissed. Yeah, well, yeah, and I think that's the thing. Like this this moment for Elzar is filled with so many great moments. I will say my 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 uh, I guess my hot take on this pod. I think Elzar Man is a top five Star Wars character. Oh, holy crap! Book, really, top five because and I like I think this these. Books, he rises. He's also shown up in a, a comic recently, which is pretty great. If anyone is reading the Charles Soul Star Wars comics, he's a little cheeky about putting his own stuff in there. Um <laughs> but I think for two moments. One that moment is incredible as far as narrative structure goes. I think Elzar showing the panic of this whole place has been destroying with alarms going off, people dying for hours and hours. And you see someone at the reactor core who you know was a Nile, and you know the Nile have set bombs off and they're going to kill millions of people. You're like, I can end it. Bam. I got to be done. And then the regret, the way she writes regret in that moment of Elzar realizing what he's done. And then in the future of storytelling, now having him to reckon with the fact that he's basically killed his friend Stellan while finding his love, Avar, is such a beautiful, disgusting, like, kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like this dichotomy of feelings, right? Its contradiction of ultimate joy and ultimate <clears throat> sorrow is going to be amazing, but also that scene where uh, that you talked about with him and Stellan earlier, him and Avar connecting through the force is easily what I'm putting in as my my utini moment of the year for right now, my my nomination, mm-hmm. because there's a point in there. And I was looking at my actual notes. I had all caps lock at this point, but he pulled uh, the quote Avar, be with me, be with me in this moment, like Rey, Rey Skywalker, mm-hmm. right, pulling the Jedi in. And that moment of Claudia Gray realizing their love and their connection is so strong that they are not only going to find each other in the Force, Elzar is going to reinterpret the entire nature of the Force through Avar's eyes is a moment of like, I, that's where I, to answer your larger question, Charles, now, I don't think he is gone to the dark side. So I don't think he, is, he has tapped into it. He has given into anger. Absolutely. Did he fail in that moment with Chansey? Yes. I think undeniably, if there was a success and failure in that moment, it is a failure of giving into hatred. Totally. But he has absolutely changed, I think, even from the beginning of this novel, because I think he is catching up to people like Bell, to people like Stellan, to the wisdom of his age now. I think he has gone through the power. He's gone through the passion of loving his friend, of loving Avar, of making these choices. And I think now we get to see him go towards wisdom. Go towards mm. that honoring the memory of Stellan by living as he would. And how lucky to be able to have a friend like Stellan to learn from for the last 20-something years to now take on that legacy. And I think it's going to make him a truly incredible Jedi, hopefully when we get back to him in Phase 3, uh, mm. I'm guessing. But I, mm. in this book, I think he was, he was kind of a little bit of a playboy power guy in Rising Storm, right? We saw him hanging out at the fair, having a good time. Uh, He was doing his own stuff, and I think in this one he still had a little bit of those urges. But by the end, I think he realizes he and he and he and Avar kind of ascending, and time to grow up, time to lead.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, you can't really get uh, get over the fact that you know he's got this thing with like the most babe of all Jedi of all time, right? I mean, like he's got that going for him. So you know, the way he describes Avar is. It awakens something in me. Let me tell you, it's lovely, man. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yo, it's like, it's like I, I've never, I've never, I've never really like you know, looked at looked at books or Star Wars characters and be like, you know, I wish there was a spicy version of this. But man, let me
0: tell you, Elzar, <laughs> Elzar, case, Avar, our boy, Avar, is, uh, Yeah, our I would boy read the crap out of that bad. spicy novel. El- put it in the book, Elzar
5: with <laughs> Fabio hair on the cover. Yeah. Exactly. dude. Yeah, right. but he, yeah, he's so Eric. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to I'm going to flip your 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 explanation you had about Elzar. Do it, man. Down.
0: Hit me, WWE okay. me. I'm, and
5: I'm I'm working off of odds here from all the characters we've seen of Jedi. Never tell me that those. Turn to the dark side, right? So we have we have uh, we have Duku that has turned to the dark side. We have Anakin that has turned to the dark side. We have quite a few. Mm-hmm. Um, there's got to be one in the High Republic. And the most note the the one that would turn is going to be Elzar, and now he's not going to turn because of the things that have happened to him in the past. They may poke him and prod him a little bit to make him think that way, but he's going to turn when Avar dies. Oh, oh my God! What
3: oh, prediction? You're also right. <coughs> Very right. That would that would end, going, all um, the. All the greatest tragedies in Star Wars are because of a of a of an imperfect love affair. Every single one, absolutely, <laughs> love. every single he one. He is
5: he is mirroring Anakin and Padme right I know. now. He really, Not is. totally, he really is. What? It's, it's like, a it's ooh. very similar. He too. That's my. He's hot too. Take. He's
3: too open about how much he wants. Really it. is. He is. He's way too open about it. He's like, oh, I was thinking about her. I shouldn't have been doing that. Like do you know, we, like do we think out of curiosity, or is it going to be
0: Avar? Yeah.
4: Well, does Avar, are they on the same page? Because, like, here, here's what I'm saying. Like, mm. they're mourning their friend's death. They're holding hands, staring up at the stars. She puts his head on his shoulder. All things that could be friendly, comforting gestures. But I do feel like Elzar, in, his, in the back of his mind, is like, Charles. this might happen. This is
3: kind of
5: nice. <laughs> <laughs> Charles. I'm serious. Gentlemen I, yeah. in Saudi Arabia hold hands Here is the all thing. the time. It's not. Char- a, it's I a do a, <laughs>
4: is Avar <laughs> uh, is Avar on the same page as Elzar Man.
5: I
0: I I do believe it is. She is because I do believe it is in this book or another book they are mentioned to have memories of basically when they fooled around as padawans. Like, is, is canonical.
5: That, that happens. There's an wands interesting... Wands there's an interesting... On
3: the Living Force. Yes. There's, <laughs> there's an interesting quote. On,
5: just saying. Yeah, thrown out at second. put that, that on
3: a t-shirt. put that on a t-shirt. We fooled around as Padawans. Let's put that on...
0: <laughs> yeah. I I would say... I I think they are, and i I'd agree with... In the chat right now with Blind Fates, Alexander, the, the comics story currently in the High Republic comic for Avar, you get a lot of her story in there. I think we're seeing... A lot more of her potential turn as well, and a bit of her passions in there. Mm. Um, for those of y'all that are, that if you're watching or listening, you have not been reading not Kevin Scott's High Republic House. Comics. Highly recommend uh, her and Keith Trennis. Again, Master Trennis is mentioned as as someone that left in Dooku Jedi Lost, so we'll see what that happens. I do think it is possible that one, two, five of these people might turn to the dark side at
2: some point. <laughs> all of them. what if Elzar and
4: Avar They're turn into, like, a super sexy a dark sexy side? Goth of- <laughs> yeah. sexy goth couple?
3: super sexy goth couple. Yeah,
0: I, didn't, yes, know, I didn't know I wanted that until I'd now, kind I kind of be on
3: board. want that.
0: Well, I <laughs> we, <well>, <laughs> say, do we want to? Do we want to officially yeah, now transition yeah, with, to the sexy with that they sell said? With that said, let's
4: merch. talk about Avar Chris. Um, okay,
3: if we do this, we do this together. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, spicy book. It's not going to happen. Let's Just get that out of here. All I'm right.
0: crying. I'm sweating. Everything. <laughs> All right. On page 74, Okay. page
4: 74, reason told her that she had every chance of apprehending the eye in the immediate future. Beyond that, however, the force told her that it would happen. Every note in its great song was leading to this chorus, one Avar could imagine she knew by heart. Then, for no reason she could easily name, she found herself wishing that Elzar Mann stood beside her. Some of these quotes might answer the exact question I just posed. Anyways, (laughs) page 245, Stellan to Elzar. You've always known I was wary of the, the intimacy between you and Avar. This was the last topic Elzar had dreamed would come up, and very nearly the last he wanted to mention at the moment. You thought it was because I obeyed the rules, but that wasn't the whole truth. Really, I was jealous that the two of you had a connection I didn't share. Stellan cocked his head, studying Elzar as though they hadn't seen each other in a long time. A constellation of three stars, but two were much closer together. And then page 247. If you know not <laughs> <laughs> yep Yup! Yup! <laughs> page 247. This is the flip side of, of the quote that we read for Elzar. Both far away and very near... Avar levitated with her arms outstretched, calling upon the song of the Force to sustain them all and give them strength as every Jedi in or near the starlight beacon fought to save the station and all those aboard. Every individual was a note in the greatest, most meaningful chord she had ever known. Between those notes lay another sound, so subtle she barely recognized it, the sound of the waves, the roaring of the sea. Okay, so all of that said, the first question I actually have Uh, for you is there is some chatter online there is at least an opinion out there that has garnered some support that avar was quote-unquote sidelined in this novel i want to hear y'all's thoughts on that is that an accurate statement about her character if so why and if not Mm -hmm. why
3: you know okay so i do have uh you know we actually had this really big discussion on our own team about like some of these some of these kind of topics as well and like mm-hmm. i think i might be a little bit in the camp of too much major stuff is happening in too many different mediums right now i, I mm. might be a little bit in that camp <clears throat> like you know i absolutely I absolutely am a big fan of, like, really cool stuff happening in books and young adult books and in comics and that sort of thing. But I feel like there needs to be a little bit more crossover, like, between the different mediums. Because, like, it's pretty undeniable that not everybody reads all the different stuff, right? Like, like we mm-hmm. try to read all this stuff, but even we have trouble keeping up with it. We run a Star Wars podcast, right? So I would love to see... You know, I don't I'm not saying that 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 like the comics can't have a big thing or the book can't have a big thing, but I would like to see a little bit more like crossover where like it kind of fills you in as you're reading the book like kind of some of the stuff that happened in the comics a little bit, just a little bit more. It doesn't have yeah. to be obvious, just a little bit more. And I feel like I feel like this is sort of the repercussion of the creators doing making the the choice to make all the different mediums very important. I feel like this is sort of the the negative side of that, right, is like yeah. when you put Avar's major story in a comic, it kind of makes it seem like she was left out. She wasn't, right? She had a comic, yeah. right? But it seems <laughs> like she was left out to the casual reader because there was a huge portion of Twitter that was pretty angry about that for whatever reason. Yeah,
0: so. and and I think that's that's an interesting point because for <clears throat> this book, was she in it a lot less? Totally, I think there was a, a clear setup of like Light of the Jedi, Avar Rising Storm, Elzar. Fallen Star, Stellan, like that seemed to be the, the, I guess how they ordered out the 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 constellation, yep. if you will.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But it's also interesting for the comic because you know if you look like the first issue of the High Republic comic where Avar's story is being told went back I think to five printings, so over two sold over two hundred thousand copies. Yeah. So it's like, so I do wonder just like I obviously the book book selling numbers are much harder to find, but I I do wonder if. Actually, in the country, have more people read the Higher Republic comic than have read these books, which would be interesting. And I think that, like you said, Corey, that is just the trade-off that we get. I think that we, like Jacob, Jacob was
3: mentioned in the in the chat. I actually meant to bring this up. As he says, I will mm -hmm. say if you read only adult novels, the. The Gear are almost never mentioned. It's wild that that big of a part of the story is also absent. Yes, yeah, so, yes. That is mm-hmm. that is and that it, it, is like that's yeah. the probably the most legitimate criticism of the point I'm trying to make is the yeah. the Gear had a whole book to set them up and then yeah. they're gone and that's it. There's no yeah. more Gear, right? So
0: and it's that balance of like you know you?
3: they're frozen, Corey. I know that now because I've read the like, comics. But <laughs> yeah, you know,
0: and I think that's the hard part about you know it's the it's the Marvel question, right? It's it's how at this point. If you haven't seen every Marvel movie or watched all the Disney Plus <clears throat> shows, and you just pick one, at some point you're gonna miss out on something. So what's the what's the one thing you can at least yeah. get through the story right. without with still understanding? And I think there's some the kind AMAR of magic.
3: Yeah, there's got to be some kind of magic like like equation for that, right? Like like there's whiteboards like, all over the place. <laughs> I know it's and it's hard. It's really hard to do from the creative standpoint. Like like there there are like like instances I think which we can all agree on that are just like kind of goofy. Like the fact that they put Palpatine's like call to the galaxy in a in Fortnite, Fortnite game. Right? Yeah, like that's, that's like yeah, so yeah. if you yeah. don't play Fortnite you peak. miss that detail. Right? <laughs> that's like that's like the most extreme version of that. We can all agree on that. Right? Yeah. So there's got to be there's got to be yeah. some some me- medium of that. Even if maybe like the first couple chapters or something, where to maybe catch up some of that stuff. Yeah, right. And like,
0: uh, yeah. And I, but I think f- to that I agree with the story is like if you want <laughs> like recap chapters or something, I think that's more helpful. And also I think that you know people like like honestly like us and in the media are are trying to be better about that to help people catch up on things. Um, but for the sideline question specifically, Charles. I think that some people were bringing it up um, purely as like a sexist point to say like why are why is Avar sideline? And I'm like the main Marvel co- the main comic of Star Wars right now is the Higher Republic, yeah. And the that two is, leads are Keith Trennis, a black woman, and Avar Chris, a white woman. Yeah, like that is the, a, that's a, that is that, objectively a bad. That's take. not part of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I disagree. So with I, that.
5: yeah, and I do to say who's to say if they added her into the book that. Like that—that that would have taken away from character development of of everybody. Yeah, it I think been she's used well? Just less, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and I mean, we have two more phases, right? <clears throat> she could be prominent in a lot a more. Lot. I mean, you're, and you're going to yeah. have to remove people too. Right. So, now some people will be yeah. mad that that maybe Elzar may be not be yep. front center, but yep. I mean, so many people died in this one. I mean, <laughs> 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 there's <laughs> going to no, characters there. go around. Listen, <laughs> I
3: I will say, I will say, I did feel like it felt. A little out of place that we kept mentioning that Avar is in that ship, right out that window, in the atmosphere. Right the she She's sure. right there. Yep. I, I can I see the ship, but we never yep. got a scene from her perspective a single time. That's that was fair. I would have I would have liked that. That was a little weird to me, right? Like it would maybe would have been better if if it was That's like. True. Nobody knew where the ship was, or like it disappeared, or something like that. But like the yeah. ship was right there, and like they kept talking about it. And like, did Avar help people get off the the top of the ship? Like, why did we? Maybe they're gonna tell the story again. You know, maybe maybe we're gonna see the top yeah. of the ship. Maybe that's gonna be its own own story, the top of the fallen story. It is. It it is. In, it is in the comics. Okay. okay. It is in the
0: comics. Sorry for, for those of people that are caught up on the comics. The once once phase one is done, the higher public comic does take place <clears> on <throat> this. Uh, last, I think last week's issue that came out. They, yeah, the other half of this, this is stuff. happening in that medium. That is, okay. that is yeah. we can say that it's not a spoiler as of right now. All right, the Fair issue enough. is out. Yeah, well, well, there so you so go. Because
5: Avar is such a popular character, they're trying to get people yeah. to yeah. purchase the comics. But, but, a but I mediums. that's also and, a point, point, I more can, money. That's, also, that. that's <laughs> also a
4: point to uh, in favor of Corey's point, though. You know, if you're not reading all these things. No, but I'm saying if you're not reading all these things, if yeah. you're not reading the comics, you're not reading the YA, etc. Like there are mm-hmm. chunks of the story that you just you don't get, it does and, feel they're missing. and it's not as really you're actively covered.
3: reading. It feels like there are some gaps in the story, yeah. and like mm-hmm. they're intentional gaps. They designed it that way. Yeah. But like, yep. It's it's a it's okay. a it's a design yeah. choice yeah. that I think a lot of people are having trouble with. Like yeah. I think I think it's maybe to
0: this, like we don't see that in is. other parts of Star Wars because this yes. is the this is the <clears> first time they've tried something like this. Right. Yes. Right. Yes.
3: And I think that is a. I think that is a valid criticism, and maybe, maybe, maybe the creators, or not even the creators, really whoever helped design the project, like maybe overestimated how much crossover there was between, like people that read books and comics and that sort of thing, right? Like, to be clear, go read the comics, right? I I want to read the comics, but (laughs) I mean, you you can't really argue with the fact that comics are harder to like follow regularly and get them every single week, and the digital thing is is challenging, right? So. You know, I, I will agree – I agree with the criticism a little bit to answer the original question of, like, was Avar sidelined? I don't like that language. I don't think she was sidelined, but her story yeah. did feel noticeably absent. I will say that. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. not a malicious <clears throat> intent, but – because Claudia Gray got some, like – people were, were kind of real jerks online, like, to that point towards Claudia Gray. Like, you did <clears throat> yeah, like this, get this out character. You, yeah. Get out yeah. with that. But I do agree, if you want, like – and as someone who, as a reviewer, had read all the comics, that's why – probably, honestly, like, my score – is significantly a higher at certain points because like point. i that hit me like a dump truck because i had i had all that in yeah, really um which is why you know, like if you watch episode nine and you've watched the first eight et cetera no, it's an that thing actually to that actually brings up, that
3: I was gonna say that actually brings up a really great point because phase two. We're going back in time, right? So we're
0: starting all over. Theoretically, there's a new, comic, there's new theoretically, books. You yeah, we get a right whole
3: down. clean slate, so like you can forget about not feeling like you're caught up and everything. And I, I will say for phase two, you just can't I forget am- about Dre. That's it. That's true. <laughs> but but get the hell out. I I'm will sorry, say I, was- I like after after this experience with phase 1 of the higher republic I'm definitely going to be way more like conscious about trying to keep up with everything as it's coming out with yeah. the second phase because I do a little bit have that sense of I'm too far behind to catch up, you know what I mean? Like people will get mm-hmm. to that point like you're even in a lecture in class or something and like they, they get to a point and you're like, I have no idea what the hell is happening. And then 10 minutes later, yep. you're like, I might as well leave class today. Like this is a waste of yep. time. That's, that's a little that's why bit of number I, one. I think is, is do some work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
4: All right. Anyway. Well, well let's, uh, I think you guys pretty much answered all the questions about Elzar and Avar. We have one last character <laughs> I, I want to talk about here. Marky and um, Roe. How do we not talk about him? Right, so I've got a few quotes for you. I'll ask you the prompt here. From page 146, Rose says... Speaking
0: of spicy... Yeah. You
4: see, (laughs) we could have detonated the kind of device that would have destroyed Starlight instantly. Smuggling it on board would have been more difficult, but with our intel, not impossible. Yet, that would have defeated the purpose. The entire galaxy must see this. They must watch it happen. They must know the true power of the Nile. On page 287... Personally witnessing Starlight's demise from the Irem system itself was a privilege that belonged to him and him alone. Page 338. Only one gathering would ever be grander, the one Mark intended to hold as soon as the Jedi had been crushed forever. He smiled to himself beneath his mask, secure in the knowledge he wouldn't have to wait very long. And page 344. These are a couple of uh, clips from his kind of final address to the galaxy. His Fortnite speech. His Fortnite speech, yes.
3: (laughs) I'm so glad I brought that up. (laughs) Palpatine has returned
4: in Fortnite. Uh, Page 344. By now, most understand that the Nile are responsible. Until this hour, however, very few have understood who was responsible for the Nile. In other words, it's high time I introduce myself. I am Markian Roe. I am the eye of the storm. I am the eye of the Nile. Much was made of the idea that Starlight Beacon was a symbol of hope, he continued. But there is no hope in this part of the galaxy. There is only despair. There is only the Nile. It was the Nile who created the great hyperspace disaster, and we can do so again. It was the Nile who attacked the Republic Fair at Valo, and left your high and mighty Chancellor bleeding at our feet." And today, it is the Nile who have burned starlight from the sky. The Republic can't protect you. The Jedi can't protect you. We have proved they can't even protect themselves. We go where we want. We strike where we want. Our will is the only authority in this part of the galaxy, and the only one there ever will be. I do not wish to rule the galaxy. If I did, you would be under my boot even now. But I will take what I wish, when I wish, and no one will stand in my way. Republic, Jedi, or anyone else. This galaxy is mine. Uh, what a flex. Damn. What a flex. Damn, Markian. You didn't have to do us like that, man. Um, uh,
3: Speaking of characters who have sex.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. He bones. Markian row bones. It's canon. It happened. <laughs> there was listen, like Of
3: all the sex scenes I was steamy. expecting to be. It was not with Markian Rowe. Let me tell you. You think he
0: keeps his mask on? All right, let's I, move on.
3: I, I wonder. <laughs> that, I think that this. You think he lets
5: her wear the mask.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he doesn't, Wes. He absolutely does not. Uh, oh man, it wasn't there that... weren't
5: sex scenes? It was just implied that it was. It was it no. good it was for you, Senator? The <laughs> like,
4: there, uh, just... there was there was some aftermath, if you will, that was that was relatively graphic for for a Star Wars novel. Um, yeah, there and <laughs> I feel like it was just. This is a total aside. This has nothing to do with my question for him. But um, <laughs> I feel like it was reactionary. I do you guys think that actually the Project Luminous authors are sitting at a table and they're like. Oh no, this guy's hot as shit. Like, no, I, I think, <laughs> yeah. I think there was like a weird Markian and thirst that came out of like the first book, Dude, and then they just were like, yeah, yup, we're a, going for it.
0: There was literally <laughs> a variant cover that came out this week for the Eye of the Storm, and people were losing their minds because he was so veiny in his arms. Oh my god! Like the third. Here's the thing: <laughs> did they make him very attractive? And in- yes, they did. Sure. However, I do think that this is maybe a little nudge to the hotness, but also I mean the fact that sexuality is actually very like in a, in a, on a literary front, Villains. I think sexuality is they very always do it, it. It, it, yeah <laughs> but it's also very it's a lot more talked about in the higher public i think like yeah. i what do I always say? writers are a product of the times in which they live, yeah like writing and literature and movies and books are just they're more sexual nowadays it's like true. we are very much true. open about it, yeah, and I think that having Markion be like sexual but also very dismissive tells us a lot about him yeah we learn about about that dude Mm -hmm. but also from that last quote you said charles to get back on that for a second i think that moment is so epic because number one he has been in perfect hiding while they think lauren is the eye for a while and for the history of denial is they hide they've been hiding now they've been regrouping they're safe he ha- he could have just kept on going and nothing is bad. However, he was so prideful, so cocky, and honestly so victorious at that moment that he's like, "Nah, nah, 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 I'm gonna own this. You can come after me. I do not care. I will kill every single one of you. Here's my address. Come on over." Like it was such.
4: <laughs> Don't at me, bro. <laughs> to,
0: literally, dude. To yeah, end to flex. end this to end this book, which is like a. We, we thought we would end on a, on a great moment of unity, and we saved the city together. You know, we know the sacrifice. Elzar and Avar are are, are together, and it's quiet. And then it's like, no, guess what? I'm going to kill you even harder. Your friend's dead? Cool. Your whole family's going to die. My name's Markian roe Bring it. Bye. And he hangs up. Yeah. Like, yeah. what? And, and like, Blackface says, they're going to feel like absolute idiots because they've thought this entire time that Lorna was the I. And they mm-hmm. didn't even figure out she wasn't, he just straight up told them. Yeah. Like he owned that moment.
5: Yeah. Like going back to your question, I think I think he's he's going to leave the Nihil and he's going to kind of go off on well, his own. I didn't own, even pose it. But I
4: didn't even has... pose it yet, Wes. Oh, so hold up. You read it in the in the in I the document. It, yeah. So let me just Don't read the notes. Let me pose the question and then please continue with that thought. So I will. So I will, I will, that will. that is the question essentially is you know Mark Row. when we met him, he was the leader of the Nile. That's who he was. But slowly through <laughs> yes. the course of these books, he almost seems to be removing himself from the Nile, right? He got rid of all yeah. of the crew on the Gaze Electric and replacement. we'll talk about that next week. Uh, he, he seems to really speak about the Nile as a concept with this uh, element of disdain, really. So, and it, so it really seems that he's removing himself and putting himself front and center as Mark Inrow, Yes, he says I'm the eye of the Nile. I'm the eye of the storm. But Mark Unruh first and foremost. So, do we think that he is going to remove himself from the Nile completely to achieve his goal of destroying the Jedi? So, so please, Wes.
5: <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> next, next question. Um, so I, I think I think now. So he has he has the he has the storm. He has his tempests. He has all these followers. That are going to be used to create chaos. Mm. He's—they're basically going to be the independent party between the Democrats and the Republicans. <laughs> they're going to go <laughs> yes. in there and they're going to start chaos. chaos. But he has—he has, he has these—he has these. It's almost like these security droids that he has are superior to the to the Nihil or the Tempest Runners that he has as employees to, um, to those people. So, yeah. and it feels like he's building up like an army. Just for him. That's going to be on the. Because why would he? Why would he remove everybody from the gaze electric and just only have this one yeah. subordinate that as she absolutely does everything that he asks her to do without, like without flinching. Like, Gio. it's
0: like renting out a Vegas nightclub for a Super Bowl party and you invite nobody. It's like it's just me, but it's a huge club and there's lights everywhere. You got bottle service and you're like, nope, it's me.
5: I only, I only need to have fun with me. Make yeah, make sure that, that it is, you leave the remote control. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I think that's a great—because I've been back and forth on this, and West that description may have swayed me, honestly, because I think that, in his mind, whatever he controls in, will be the Nihil of the time, yeah. like the real mm-hmm. Nihil, or the yeah. people he runs. Whatever that may be, whether it's pure foot soldiers that he just lobs at enemies, whether it's all droids and he just walks in the middle of the chaos, I think— this has shown that he single-handedly came up with this plan by himself. He destroyed Beacon by okay. himself. He, just, he got the, the levelers by himself. Like, none of the other Nile really have been on his plan from the beginning, and he has succeeded so far. So he's like, why in the world would I put all these people on payroll yes. when I can literally just win all the time? All right, great, I have you. And this' is gonna sound crude, but I think it's true. It's like I have you for my for my books, I have you for sex, I have you for fighting, and then I move on. Like he's basically got everything he needs, so why in the world would he try to like make everyone feel valued as part of the storm? Like now,
5: like yeah. how strategic <laughs> was it to get like the the three um, like the, the three people that had planted the bomb get their families away from them. Yep, to get, so to try to sway the fanatical. To, like, that's incredible. Up. That's 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 pretty sick. You know, that's a pretty <laughs> oh, sick he's, guy, yeah. sick man. <laughs> he's pretty
3: sick. I will agree. Okay, it does, it does seem it does seem a little bit like he is slipping into chaos, though. I will say, like it definitely. I did oh yeah, see, literal madness. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember the ghost of his uh, father talking kind of to enemy. him, and I uh, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean. For like, sure. He's definitely he's got that su- definitely got that super villain I'm accomplishing my goals and the closer I get to my goal the the the, the, the more into madness I slip. Like that that is definitely without the trope question. Yeah. Sounds like creative. Corey
4: running Utini.
1: <laughs> that is correct. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: All right,
4: yes. y'all. Well, um, we have we've have been here a long time tonight. Thank you for your your patience. Thank you to everyone who hung out in the chat this long. Um, but Eric, get us on out of here.
0: All right, folks. Part one down. Part two next week, same time, same place. Already can of wait for all these questions. But my friends, that'll do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you support us on Patreon, thank you so much. We are literally meeting after this episode to figure out our Rogue One time. We're gonna get that out to you real quick, and then Revenge of the Sith is after that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And again, a reminder, a special note: we are in need of another video editor. So if you want to volunteer and help us out here at Utini, shoot. A brief note and a little resume over to Corey at Uchini.com. Uh If you got some experience with that, we'd love to make some content with you. It sounds great. A special thank you goes out to OK Endar, Jeremy Kazina, J.G. Kars, Earl Q, Patrick Ortiz, Carl Sander, and our new Jedi High Council member, Brian Dooley, uh, for their amazing support. And, of course, Jedi—well, uh, our Jedi High Council. And Matt Billington—you can be a Jedi— Charlie Latour, Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, Freddie C., and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command you can find us on twitter i'm at eric eilerson Corey is at doc star wars md charles is west is at boss west the show is at living force pot a special thank you to matt davenport our amazing editor ryan our graphic designer extraordinaire and west our producer and community manager thank you to Corey, charles and Wes, for podcasting with me tonight thanks to all of you for tuning in and as always we know who we are
1: there is no hatred there is joy there is no division